0: Welcome to Awaken
1: Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Greetings. Top of the morning, everybody. I see that you're greeting folks as instructed. Well done. And now you've turned your attention to me, and you're thinking, you're not, Micah. And you're right. My name is Andy uh, Laner, and I serve on the pastoral advisory team, and today I have A few things that I'm excited about. Number one, I hear there's a few football games today. That's pretty cool. Um, Thanks. But something that I'm even a little more excited about is the opportunity to hear a new voice. So today I'm here to introduce to you our newest intern, James Early, who's going to teach a message today. James and his wife Haley um, have just moved into this very neighborhood, um, and. James is starting a two-year internship with us as he pursues a Master of Divinity at Northwestern, sorry, reverse, the University of Northwestern-St. Paul. I went to Northwestern College, so it's hard for me. Um, But this is a voice, we sometimes get to hear new voices, and this is one that's gonna be around for a while. So I'm uh, pleased to introduce James to you for the first time today. James.
0: Thanks, Andy. Uh, hey. It's so good to be here. Aren't you guys glad that we're here this morning? Yeah. There we go. This, this is the part where you say, yeah, and all the teenagers are like, I guess. I don't know. Uh, man, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I love this community, and, uh, yeah, so this is exciting for me. But since, uh, since I am very new, I think it is good to be able to just share a little bit about who I am with you so you know kind of where I come from uh, with this. So just here's some background information, and you can zone this part out if you want, or you can pay lots of attention. I don't care. Uh, I was born in Pennsylvania, Hanover, Pennsylvania, to be more specific. A great place to be born, uh, or so I've heard, I don't know. We moved when I was two, so we don't count that part of my life. We moved to Rochester, where I grew up, Rochester, Minnesota. Um, and I spent basically the rest of my life there. Uh, I grew up in the church, which makes my faith story, I don't know, kind of lame sometimes. Like, you know, you hear people who are like, and then the sky broke open, and I saw the light, and Jesus just was there. and I Like, like people have those incredible stories, and for me, it was just like... I don't know, he's, he's with me. I don't know, he's walking with me. And so um, I don't have great things to point back to as far as like, and then I knew that Jesus was calling me to his side or anything like that. I do remember one time I was at Bible camp because I grew up in the church and I went to Bible camp, super fun. And you know how, if you've ever been to Bible camp, um, they always have like the missionary guy come as the speaker uh, for the whole week. And every night he does the, all right, now if y'all wanna accept the Lord Jesus as your savior today, will not you all just close your eyes, if you want that. Put your hand up in the air. And now open your eyes. Oh, look, all the people, right? And, uh, and I do that. So I did that like six or seven times. And uh, I was like, I just, I just don't know. I don't know if it worked. And so after the sixth or seventh time, I got this distinct sense from the Lord that, you know, that's enough. You're good. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I stopped doing it then. And that was, uh, I guess, the time I can point back to when I knew that Jesus was Savior. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, I went on my first mission trip, and I think a lot of us have, uh, mixed feelings about short-term missions. I know I do. However, because of this time that I went and was able to serve others in the name of the Lord, uh, it was an opportunity for me to recognize Jesus as Lord. Um, so that's kind of my faith background, my story there. Uh, when I was in school, I loved theater, I loved to act. Um, oh, I missed a part on my faith background, this is funny. You might not think it's funny, I think it's funny. Uh, So my mom tells me about when I was baptized. I grew up Lutheran, so they baptized the little ones. Um, I think some of us here do as well. Um, And so when I was baptized, my mom, I don't remember because I was like five months, but my mom tells me that the pastor took me out of her arms, lifted me above his head, and paraded me around the sanctuary. (laughs) So if you ever get the sense that I struggle with like too much being the center of attention, that's probably why, it started early. And so, going into that, when I was in um, school, I really loved theater, and so, again, center of attention if you, like, just say, James, you're not in high school anymore if you see that I'm I'm being too center of attention, Uh, because I did theater and I loved it. Um, Now I'm married to Haley. Haley is my wife. She's over there. She's like, hey. Um, And uh, so, we're married, and that's been awesome as well. We're almost two years in now, so we know just about everything there is to know about marriage, (laughs) as I'm sure all the other married people in the room know. We were living in Rochester, and I was a youth director for Rochester Covenant Church. And while I was youth directing, I was uh, working on my associate's degree from Rochester Community and Technical College. And when I graduated with my associates, I started school at the University of Northwestern. Where's Andy Lehner? There he is. The University of Northwestern. It's it's the same school, but with a different name now. So it's really confusing. Um, So I started working on my my MDiv there, um, and so I did a year and a half of commuting from Rochester to Roseville three times a week, and it was really fun. Lots of fun. Uh, and now we live here, and it's great, and I'm so excited to be at this church. Okay, is that enough? Yeah. <laughs> Lady over there is like, yeah. <laughs> All right, so great. The last few weeks have been a conversation on what has been, for many churches, a difficult topic, right? Human sexuality is like, that's scary. People don't want to talk about that. Uh, but I'm excited. I'm thankful that this church has consistently been willing to go there and to talk about the hard things. And central to the last week's sermons um, has been the topic of community, right? We've been talking about how can we love each other, how can we regard each other well when we hold differing viewpoints about uh, all sorts of things. Uh, So how can we extend freedom in Christ to one another in living out our convictions? And then we have this week. And after this week, we're starting a series called Wells and Fences. Uh, For those of you who have not experienced Wells and Fences before, it's basically about this we're going to talk about what defines our community. Are we going to be a community that is defined by fences, right? That have a gate which will only open if new members meet a certain set of prerequisites? Or will we be a community that is marked by a well full of living water, which entices new members? That being said, will you please pray with me? Great. Lord, we just come to you now, uh, and we thank you for who you are, that you are... uh, God of reconciliation, that you are a God of community, and that you are a God of love. So uh, we just we give ourselves to you now in this in the space, and we ask that you would um, open our hearts, open our minds uh, to uh, your truth. And so we pray those things in the name of your Son Jesus, Amen. So when Pastor Jenna asked me to preach this Sunday, it was with the understanding that I am a new member of this community. Uh, so, in part, this is an opportunity for me to tell my story, uh, which works well for me because as we find ourselves on this Sunday nestled between these two kind of series about community, uh, my story is marked by community. Um, and so that's a little bit of what we're talking about. If you're able, would you please stand and open up your Bibles? You're going to open them to two places. So first, go to Acts 4, verses 32 to 35, and stick your finger in there, Acts 4, 32 to 35. And once you get there, um, turn the page 1 to the right, and you'll find Acts 2, 42 to 47. We're starting with that one, Acts 2. Okay, it reads, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And then again in chapter 4, at verse 32, it reads, All the believers were one in heart and mind, one in heart and mind, And now I have a question for you. It was a fair game question. I want you to feel free to shout out your answer. How many of you, do you, think that that sounds like, because he's describing the church there in Acts 2 and 4, how many of you think that that sounds like today's church? Not even a single, like somebody, anybody? Okay, yeah, not so much, right? We, we, we have some issues with, with what the scriptures say about what the church is and our experienced reality of the church today. Um, so that's great. Now, that might have some of us feeling sort of crummy about the church, uh, but wait, there's more. (laughs) Um, Aristides was one of the earliest apologists of the Christian faith, and his most well-known work is called To Emperor Hadrian Caesar from the Athenian philosopher Aristides, or more commonly, The Apology of Aristides. It was written in the second century AD and is considered one of the oldest complete apologies for the Christian faith. It's long, so we're not reading the whole thing, but what I do want to read is just some of the descriptions that he gives of Christians in defense of the church. This is what he says. He says, they live in the awareness of their smallness. Kindliness is their nature. There is no falsehood among them. They love one another. They do not neglect widows. They rescue orphans from those who are cruel to them. Every one of them who has anything gives ungrudgingly to the one who has nothing. They rejoice over them as a real brother or sister, for they do not call one another brothers and sisters after the flesh, but they know they are brothers and sisters in the spirit of God. If anyone among them is poor or comes into want while they themselves have nothing to spare, okay, so somebody's poor, and they don't have anything to give to the poor folks, they fast two or three days, And in this way, they can supply any poor person with the food they need. They acknowledge the good deeds of God toward them, and because of them, good flows on in the world. Yet, they do not cry out in the ears of the masses about the good deeds they do. Rather, they take care that no one should notice them. They hide their giving like someone who conceals a treasure they've found. They live in the expectation of seeing Christ. All right, that sounds like today's church, right? Still, still no one saying, yes, that sounds like today's church. Okay, fine. And you know what? <laughs> I don't think so either, okay? Uh, and you know, for a good portion of my life, I wasn't convinced of it. Uh, because even though I trust the description of the church that we find in Scripture, I, I trust Scripture, okay? It doesn't line up with my experienced reality of church. It doesn't line up with what I see happening. I grew up in the church, and I remember seeing the church, sometimes my church, sometimes other people's churches, dividing over things like worship style. Should we sing out of a hymnal? Should we use one of those confounded contraptions, the screens? Should we, should we uh, use hymns, or should we use uh, worship bands? Churches break over this stuff. Or things like form of communion. Okay? Churches will split up about whether you, know, you take the cracker, and you, you take a little cup of juice, and you... Or whether you take the bread and you dip it in the cup. Churches split up over this stuff and it just seems, I don't know, nitpicky about things that are just super non-essential to our faith. And I also remember seeing people who were hurting from poverty, whether that was a physical poverty or a spiritual poverty, and I I didn't see the church doing anything to help. Now, I know the church has been helping folks who are brokenhearted. I know that. Um, But there was a disconnect between what I knew to be true or at least thought ought to be true and my lived reality of experiencing division over things that don't warrant division. Now, even though I was becoming disenfranchised by the church, I did find Christian community in other places. Uh, Tech is this great program, it's called Teens Encounter Christ, and it's this weekend-long thing where high schoolers come together and they share the love of Jesus with other high schoolers, and it's this beautiful community of love. So I found community there. I found community uh, in some friends from youth group who met outside the, the structure of our church life. Um, and, and even though those things were kind of church, I couldn't recognize them as church. Uh, and so I was asking myself the question daily. I was like, God, can this thing, can this church thing really be your chosen tool to do good work in the world? Can, uh, that, that doesn't make any sense, God. This This messy, broken crummy kind of system, it's not working, so how can that be your choice? And so I decided to try something. When I graduated from high school, uh, instead of going to college right away, I took part in a year-long missions program called Mission Year, which is a very original name for a year-long missions program. Don't let the name fool you, the program is great, it's really good. So Mission Year was transformational for me. During the 12 months that I spent in Third Ward, Houston, Texas, which is just a super poor neighborhood, really under-resourced, the 12 months that I spent there, I lived with five other young adults, and we all just, we wanted to see God move in our neighborhood. We wanted to see him move in our lives and in the lives of our neighbors. So we partnered with local nonprofits like homeless shelters or community education programs. Uh, we served a neighborhood church, and um, we partnered with their outreach programs. We broke bread together and we shared everything that we had with our neighbors, and all the while our neighbors were sharing with us. And the whole time that I was taking part in this this thing that I thought was markedly, distinctly not church, God was showing me how much it really was the church at work. The Lord was uh, showing me how much my home church had prepared me to do mission, how much it had prepared me to live a missional life. Um, the Lord was showing me how much he loved his church, how much my church loved our neighborhood, and the Lord was demonstrating to me and imparting to me that same love for the church. So that's a little bit more of background on me, some of my baggage, right, some of my beef and some of the ways that God has been transforming that in my life. Now I want to just switch trains of thought for a second. I'm currently a student, one of my favorite things to do is talk about theology which is ironic a little bit because uh, theology and theological kinds of conversations were one of the things that turned me off as a kid. And so I want to hold this really loosely. When we talk about deep theological things, I just want to like, I want to hold it loosely and not, not like base my whole like faith experience on these. But some of them are kind of fun. So I'm going to ask a rhetorical question. If we assume for a moment that God has existed in all of eternity before the creation of everything right? That God existed in all of eternity before time started, before, before the world was created, whether he did that just like, boom, one, two, three, four, five, six, or if he did it through any other mode, right? If he existed in all of eternity, what was God doing before creating, right? And if we're going to engage that question, like, it's just like taking shots in the dark, right? Like, there's, there's no way to know for sure until we see the Lord face to face, but for what it's worth, one of the most convincing arguments that I've heard come from a number of theologians today, and it's this. Before creation, God was in loving community. Before creation, God was in loving community. And they say that because the apostle John tells us that God is love, and we see through the narrative of scripture that God is love, right? And we also believe in a God who is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's not too much of a stretch to say perhaps before creation, God was living in community, loving God, right? That the Father was loving the Son, and the Son was loving the Spirit, and so forth. Which colors creation a little bit, um, so that creation, in doing that, God was expanding his loving community and making it broader, making it wider and bigger, It's almost as if you were saying, I have so much love built up in me, so much love to share, I just can't contain it. And out of this love, God births all of creation. And now God is in community with that which he has created. And then, it's starting to sound familiar, right? Then when Adam and Eve take the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what they're doing is they're breaking that community with God or at least in part what they're doing is breaking that community with God. And because of this, we have the story of Jesus, right, who who has reconciled us to God. So this is what uh, the Apostle Paul has to say about this in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That is to say, because God is in the business of restoring and building community, we ought to be in the business of restoring and rebuilding community. Earlier I read a quote from Aristides, uh, and the way that he portrayed the church, like, like my heart leaps at that right? I just feel, I, I hear the way he portrays the church, and I'm like, yes, yes, can we be like that? But I think that often we idolize the early church. Often we say things like, like when we disagree with somebody, we go, I wonder what the early church would have thought about that, right? We go, I wonder what the early church would have said. Would the early church have, uh, have done that thing? And we idolize them, But we shouldn't forget that even this church, the early church that is so generously spoken of in the scriptures and by the church fathers had its issues too, right? Have you read the books of Corinthians? Paul rips into those folks for their issues, for their lack of love for one another. Or in Galatians, where we see whole churches just being split apart over circumcision. Examples are abounding in scripture um, of the church of failures in the church to really demonstrate the reconciliatory nature of Christ. And that's whether in today's church or in churches of centuries past. And yet, we see that this broken group of people, through this broken group of people, God has been loving. He has been showing his love throughout the world. Folks, do you remember that that Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against his church? The gates of hell, folks, this is a big deal because despite all of its issues, God has been able to show love in the world through the church. Do we need to do better? Do we need to do better on a number of counts? Yes, yes, a hundred times yes. And I think honestly, these last few weeks, talking about the hard things, that is a step forward in doing better on a number of counts. So of course we need to do better but let's not forget that God has given us the charge, he has given us the tools, and he has made us able to be an alluring community that draws people in through our mutual love in Christ. All right, all throughout my journey, I remember hearing my friends say things like, you know, man, I used to be part of a church, but I can't be there anymore. And they would say that because of some of the things that we talked about earlier, right? Ways that the church divides, ways the church doesn't do what God has set it out to do. So they said, I I just, I can't be part of a church anymore. And after coming to Awaken, I have heard story upon story of folks who say, man, Awaken was the last stitch attempt. It was my last try at church. And they're still here. I, and they say, I, I didn't think the church had anything for me, but I come here and there's something about this community that I just, I can't get enough of and I got to be here. Guys, that's a testament to you. That's a big deal. Whenever whenever a church has people saying, I was done with church till I came here, God is at work with you. He's at work with you. It's so wonderful. When I was searching for an internship, because I had this two-year-long internship uh, through Northwestern. I, I was searching for an internship and I sat down with Micah. This was before Haley and I had, had come to church. We had no idea anything about this community. And I sat down with Micah and one of the things that he shared with me is that one of the values at Awaken is, where is that? Oh, there it is. One of the values at Awaken is remembering where you wrote things. Um, one of the values at Awaken is to practice living in community on mission in the world that true one of the values here is to practice living in community on mission in the world man when when Micah told me that I was sold I was sold I believe that this church is an example of the reconciliatory power of Christ seriously I believe that so much Haley believes that so much that we bought a house in this neighborhood because we just want to be a part of what God is doing here through this right So, if we believe that at least in regard to community and mission, those passages in Acts got something right about the church, can we do something about that? I'm curious. Can we emulate that? What would it look like if we believed Jesus when he told us that we ought to love our neighbors as ourselves? Would that include maybe the neighborhoods we live in? Would that include our next door neighbors? Would it impact the places that we shop, the restaurants we go to, or who we call to do work on our houses? Would we consider maybe going outside more often than we do and interacting with our next door neighbors? Would we be willing to put our resources on the line because we are so excited and committed to doing life with our neighbors that we are always inviting them over, always sharing with them, always offering to help them, And always making ourselves last in order to see them be first. What would it look like? So if something about this whole life on mission thing puts a spark in your heart, puts a flame in our souls, how might our lives change? Now this is the only thing I want to ask you to do today. This is it. All I want from you, all I want to ask you to do is invite you that if you know someone from your neighborhood who goes to church here, maybe invite them over for lunch today. Sit down with them. Ask them about their vision for your neighborhood. Ask them about their vision for their street, for their next-door neighbors. Share about your vision for your street and your next-door neighbors. And then pray together and see what the Holy Spirit might put in your hearts in order to pursue together this sacred mission of beloved community. I want to invite John Mark and the band to come on up. We're going to just take a moment of silence and this is an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak vision into our lives. It's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to uh, just show us something. So will you please pray with me? Lord, I believe you. I believe you when you say that your people will have dreams and visions. I believe you are constantly showing us what you desire for our community. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak new life to us. Remind us of who lives in our neighborhoods. Show us your vision for this neighborhood and the neighborhoods we live in. Show us how to live together in love and to partner with one another in the kingdom living. Folks, as we live in the expectation of seeing Christ, may we acknowledge the good deeds of God toward us and allow those good deeds to flow through us into the world. May we be of one mind and one heart and we break bread together, give ungrudgingly and love one another. Now go in peace, serve your neighbor and serve the Lord. Amen.
1: Find us online at www.awakenedcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com Backslash awaken community. Or on Twitter, the awaken community. See you and next time. time.